Welcome to the Monterey Church of Christ podcast. For more information, please visit our website at montereychurch.com. Thanks for listening. Well, let me invite you to pray with me and let's pray a prayer of blessing over our study together this morning. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we declare our faith in you, a God who is faithful, a God who is good, a God who gives us victory. We celebrate today what it means to be the body of Christ, whether we're in this room or at a distance from one another. We celebrate what it means to belong to you and to each other. And we pray together, O God, that we claim that victory again. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, I told you last Sunday that I love describing Scripture as the story of God. The story of God filled with numerous chapters that point us to the God who longs for a relationship with us. The story of God that intersects our stories, that invites us into relationship with the divine family and with one another as the body of Christ. All of us also have a story to tell. A story that is filled with numerous chapters as well. Chapters that point us to the presence of God in our lives. And I pray pieces of the story day by day that point us, that remind us, that teach us what matters most in life. And I certainly pray that's been the case over these last three months, that we have been reminded again and again and again of what really matters. And so maybe you've had conversations with others over the last several days or weeks where someone asked the question, and so what have you learned during this season of life? What have you been reminded of? Perhaps in some pretty dramatic ways, what truths have you learned or been reminded of during this chapter of life? And then maybe even more importantly, what are the implications as we think about the next chapter or the next chapter or the chapter after that? Last Sunday morning, I shared 10 lessons with you that I've learned or been reminded of as we have walked through this season together. We gave particular focus to the truth that our God is a faithful God. Drawing from Romans chapter 8, we talked about three anchor points. Anchor point number one, in spite of all of the good things that we experience in life, we also recognize that we are not immune from suffering. The position that some folks would take, if you'll just put your trust in Jesus, you'll never suffer again, you'll never face illness. We pointed out last Sunday, that is so foreign to what Scripture teaches. Rather than that kind of posture, what Romans chapter 8 encourages us to do is to look at any suffering we walk through in light of a perspective that says the glory that will be revealed in us ultimately That glory, there is no way that present suffering compares to that ultimate glory. But even beyond that, Paul in Romans chapter 8 challenging us, extending the call of God for us to show the world how to suffer. And I pray we take that to heart as we think about the things that we're walking through. No matter what we may be experiencing, no matter what the storms of life are, we are in that incredible position as the presence of Christ to show the world how to suffer. Anchor number two, we are not alone. 
The Holy Spirit lives within us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And even beyond that, God is at work, even in the most horrific circumstances imaginable. God is at work bringing good even out of those horrible moments. Anchor number three, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God is faithful. Uh, today, a focus on another lesson that I identified last Sunday. I think over the last several weeks, all of us have been reminded, again, perhaps in dramatic ways, we've been reminded that community is important. Community matters. At one level, we all recognize that Scripture clearly teaches that we were created for community. We were created for relationship. Unfortunately, we hit moments in our lives where we take community for granted. And then we hit other moments, other moments where we simply don't honor the kind of community that God created us for. And so over and over again, over these last three months, I've had phone conversations I've had emails, I've watched social media where again and again folks have talked about how much they miss community. Not just a worship gathering, although we've certainly missed being together on Sunday morning, but the importance of doing life together, those face-to-face -face interactions, contact with one another, studying together, praying together, serving together, in person, simply doing life together. Community is important. Community matters. And so with that truth before us, let me invite you to hear a selection of verses from Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3. This incredible little six-chapter letter from the Apostle Paul that highlights the grace of God that rescues us from sin, but even beyond that, that ushers us into community. And so Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Paul is talking about that division between Jews and Gentiles prior to the work of Christ, often marked by hatred and prejudice and discrimination. Even beyond that, uh, Sam referenced John chapter 4 earlier, the, the, the division between Jews and Samaritans. Paul says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Underline that word. He is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, bringing reconciliation. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and uh, prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, 
The whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Just a few verses later, Paul begins a prayer by saying, It is for that reason that I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And he closes the prayer by saying, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so maybe, maybe one of the incredible blessings growing out of this pandemic is that we are reminded of who we are. We are the body of Christ. In the words of that little video a few moments ago, maybe this virus started a fire in order for us to live louder, to love harder, to care deeper. There are so many beautiful words in Scripture that describe the people of God. The word church itself, literally the idea of being called out, often used in that ancient world, that ancient Greek world, to describe a gathering of people, but a word that is used in Scripture to describe a people who belong to God, who've been called out to be a community of faith. And then just as that reading in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Ephesians reflects for us, Paul will use a variety of images throughout his letters, in fact, to describe the church. A number of years ago, Paul Menear, in a little book, focused on the writings of Paul. Paul identifies about a hundred different images or metaphors that the Apostle Paul uses to describe the church. For example, the church is the body of Christ, the family of God, a holy temple in which God lives by His Spirit, the bride of Christ, the new creation of God, a new humanity, a community of faith. Let me invite you for just a few moments this morning to ponder those images as we think about how important community is. The church is the body of Christ, an image that Paul uses often, but an image that he will utilize extensively in three particular passages, rather lengthy themselves, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. In all three of those texts, Paul speaks of the diversity that exists First of all, in our human bodies, but then in the body of Christ, the diversity that exists. And so a call for us in the midst of all of that diversity, a call for us to faithfully use the gifts that God has given us and to do so with the appropriate honor and respect for every part of the body, to never use our gifts with pride or arrogance as if we are more important than other parts of the body. And so the overriding concern in all three of those texts is that we are one in Christ. No matter our backgrounds, no matter our station in life, no matter what our gifts are, we belong to one another. And we are to work hard, Paul will say in Ephesians 4, to maintain the unity that the Spirit of God has created. The church is a holy temple in which God lives by His Spirit. That's the language in Ephesians chapter 2. We're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Paul uses the same image in 1 Corinthians 3 and warns us not to do anything that would destroy the temple of God. In fact, his language is pretty direct. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, the church, the body, 
God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Maybe a question I need to reflect on as I read a text like that, does my behavior, does my language encourage and build up my brothers and sisters? Or do I destroy others? Do I discourage others? Do I tear others down with my language, with my behavior? The church is the bride of Christ. That's Ephesians chapter 5, and so just a brief word here, but that beautiful image of marriage, even of a wedding ceremony. Christ is the bridegroom who loves his bride fiercely. And as the bride of Christ, we honor and respect Christ, but we also honor and respect one another, the way we treat one another. I still remember an illustration that Charles Swindle used a number of years ago as he preached out of Ephesians chapter 5. He said, for a moment I want you to imagine a wedding ceremony. And so the bridegroom is at the front waiting for his bride to come down the aisle. Everybody in the audience is anticipating those doors being opened in the back and the bride walking down the aisle in all of her beauty, in all of her glory. And then the doors open, the audience stands, and the bride walks through. Her dress is torn and tattered. She is covered with mud. Scratches are on her face, on her hands, on her arms. And then someone says, oh, there's the bride of Christ. She's been fighting again. May that never be said of us. As the bride of Christ, may we honor Christ, our bridegroom, and may we honor and respect one another. Church is a community of faith. Notice the connection between words like community and communion. We share life together. We're a community because of our common faith in Jesus and his death and in his resurrection. And then the image of family and all of the other words that we use when we describe family. It's the image of father. And so on this Father's Day, again, we honor and we celebrate those who are fathers in our midst And we do so in light of a father in heaven who is a perfect father who loves deeply his children. And that's exactly how we're described. We are children of our heavenly father. We are sons and daughters. And we are described as brothers and sisters with one another. Community is important. Have you noticed that every one of those images speaks to relationship? our relationship to one another and the kind of presence we are to be to our world. Every one of those images speaks to the power of community. I want to read one other text, this one from Colossians chapter 3, where Paul also uses the image of the church as the body of Christ. I want to read that text, and then I want to leave with you three words or phrases as we think about the importance of community. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Be thankful. The word kindness, Paul says, clothe yourselves with kindness. Actually, there are seven words in those opening lines that all connect with one another. 
The word compassion, New Living Translation says tenderhearted mercy. The word kindness, the word humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, make allowance for each other's faults. And then Paul says forgiving one another. And reminiscent of the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I find it fascinating and somewhat indicting when Paul describes what the people of God should look like. Those are the words, those are the qualities he begins with. This image of putting off the old, and then did you catch the language, being clothed with being clothed with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. I would pose the question as we reflect on our relationship with one another, is that what we experience as the body of Christ? But even beyond that, is that what the world sees when the world looks at the church, when the world looks at this church, when the world looks at us in a world where hatred and violence are far too common in a world where uh, hatred exists on every front. My question is, what does the world see when it looks at us? Does it see a body of people that are filled with compassion and gentleness and humility and kindness? Clothe yourselves with kindness. And then the word love. Paul says, put on love, or perhaps even more literally, Go back to the opening line. Paul says, clothe yourselves with, and he identifies compassion and kindness, etc. But he's still using the same imperative when we hit this phrase. The idea of putting on love. And so most of our English translations, because again, we've got one imperative in the paragraph. Most of our English translations will say, clothe yourselves or put on love which binds all of these together in perfect unity, in perfect harmony. It's kind of like asking the question, and so what does love look like? What is the body of Christ that is truly permeated by love? What does the body of Christ look like? And while we could offer a lot of different definitions in this text, Paul would say love is reflected by compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness. Put on love. And then... Paul reminds us that we were called to peace. Given the context of Ephesians 2 and Colossians 3, maybe the better word would be the word reconciliation. We were separate, uh, separated from God. We were separated from one another. Again, in Ephesians 2, it is this graphic reminder of the kind of alienation and prejudice that existed between Jews and Gentiles in our world we could talk about the alienation between rich and poor, black and white, educated and uneducated, and just keep walking down that list. But Paul says the cross has broken down every barrier. The cross of Jesus brings peace and reconciliation. And you, my brother and sister, we're called to be ministers of reconciliation in a broken world, in a world that is filled with barriers. If there is any place in the world where we should see peace and reconciliation, no matter what our differences are, it should be the church. Unfortunately, the church is often the last place where we see that happen. May I remind you that someone once said, and maybe you would recognize that someone as Jesus, 
Someone once said in a place in Scripture, and maybe you would recognize that place as the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, someone once said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who pursue reconciliation. Blessed are those who long to see barriers torn down because you see again the cross of Jesus brings peace. I pray that these last three months have taught us how very important community is. But hear me carefully. I pray that it goes far beyond the warm, fuzzy feelings that we experience when we are together. I pray that it calls us to live louder, to love harder, to care deeper. I pray that it calls us to clothe ourselves with kindness, to put on love, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. And much more about some of those phrases in a series that will begin next Sunday. I want to invite you, even though it's a bit uncomfortable in a room this size, I want to invite you to pause this morning with me and to reflect on a couple of questions. And we're going to give you a couple of minutes where you can interact with the folks who are sitting close to you if you'd like. If you're sitting by yourself and want to quietly reflect, that'd be great as well. Those of you who may be watching us online would encourage you, either by yourself if you're alone or with those who are gathered with you, to reflect on these two questions. And then after a couple of minutes, I'll come back and lead us into a, a time of communion. Question number one, how have you experienced community during this season, during this COVID-19 season? How have you experienced community? Not only reflecting on how you've experienced it, but maybe pausing to say, God, thank you for those ways. And then number two, what should community mean to us as we move forward? What are the implications as we think about being a community, the people of God? Take a couple of moments and reflect on those two. Ready, set, go. Go.